We're looking at Romans chapter 8 today. Les took my main illustration, so that's cutting the sermon down a little bit, uh, which is good. But uh, we're going to watch a, a bit of a video, and uh, just a little bit. I think you'll pick it up. Just a little disclaimer. Partway through, there's one word that... But anyway... They were fighting, weren't they? The, Engl- the Scottish were fighting the English because the English had them seized, basically, in tyranny. The English were all over them and they caused hassles. And the Scottish felt like they were oppressed and put down and depraved and anything that they did, the English just squashed on them. And the English were the tyrannisers of them. And they held them down. And they wanted their freedom. 
They wanted to get out under the yoke of that slavery. They wanted to get out under that and be able to say, we can live free. And I reckon that's the cry of all of us, isn't it, to a degree? We all want to be free. We all want to be able to stand and say, yes, I am free. Free from what? And I think often we want to be free from the slavery of the things that keep us down, the things that knock us down, the things that keep holding us back from being the people that we're supposed to be. And the Bible tells us that those things that keep us down is sin. The things that we do wrong, the stuff-ups that make, the problems that we do, the things in our lives when we shouldn't do it but we do it, the things in our lives that we regret, the things in our lives that have destroyed people around us and destroyed relationships around us, the things in our lives that make us fall short of the standard of God, which is perfection. Those things that hit us, those things that hold us down, that oppress us, sin. We want to be free from that, don't we? We want to be free from that so that we can live for God, so that we can live as people who God created us to be, to live for Him. Well, in Romans chapter 1 through to chapter 7, that's been the story that Paul's been putting before us, hasn't he? He's been showing us that even in and of ourselves, we can't be as good as we can. We sin, we do the wrong thing. And that oppresses us and holds us down. And it has the sign of guilt upon us, the verdict of guilt. We are guilty before God. And at the end of chapter 7, Paul cries out, Oh, what wretched man am I? What can I do? Only Jesus can help. How can we be free from that punishment? How can we be free from the guilt of sin? How can we be free from the power of sin? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. It's about living a life in the Spirit. And we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8 today. It's a great part of the Bible. There is so much in Romans chapter 8. Uh, It's got to be one of the pinnacles of chapters throughout the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Romans chapter 8. Uh, It will go up on the screen. And uh, we're going to read it in sections, a bit like we did last week. And Rilla's going to do that for us. We're going to do the first section, is Romans chapter 1 to 4. And look out for that being taken away from being condemned and the freedom that is there in Romans chapter 1 to 4. Rilla, you read that for us. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. It's a great statement, isn't it? Right at the beginning there. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. We have been set free. There is now no condemnation upon any of us when you trust and believe in Jesus. 
It's been removed. It's been taken away. It is no longer there. We don't have to have the weight upon our shoulders anymore. It's been removed. No longer do we have to think about the fact that we have mucked up, that we have done wrong things in the past. It's been taken from us by Jesus. It says there because in verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You see, back in Romans chapter 6, Paul goes to great lengths to show us that when we try to get right with God by following the law, that's the Old Testament law or any law that we want to make up, any of that, if we try to do it, we fall flat on our faces. We can't do it. And when we look at the law, the Old Testament law, look at the Ten Commandments, what it does is highlights where we've gone wrong. And all it does in the end is just piles more guilt onto us and says that you can't do it. But here, this beautiful picture, isn't it? No condemnation. It's been lifted off. It's been taken off. It's been removed by Jesus. Look at verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. It's a beautiful picture. And Les's little children's talk actually was a beautiful way of picturing Because that's the picture of it. It's almost this picture of a condemned building, uh, like the one that Les wanted to buy, or said he did buy. Uh, that condemned building. It's like it's got a sign on it that you've got to get out of this. This place is uninhabitable. It can't be lived in. And it's been placed a sign upon it that it is not good. And it's going to be demolished. It's going to be condemned. It's going to be wiped out. The foundations have gone. The wood structure's got termites in it. And that's what is the picture of our life. We've been, our foundation's gone. The termites have got in through sin. It's causing a problem within our lives and it's destroying us. It's breaking us down. It's taking away and not making us people who could be living for God. It's destroying that in us. And a big wrecking ball is sitting out the front of this house. It's about ready to come in and smash it and destroy it. In a sense, that's like God's judgment. He's got to destroy that house because it's imperfect. It's, being, it's not good. It needs to be destroyed. But then Jesus just runs in. The super saviour runs in and jumps and gets in front of the wrecking ball. And as God's judgment with his death comes swinging in to take out and destroy that house, to destroy our lives for eternity, Jesus stands in front of it and takes it. And it smashes him. And he dies instead of us. But the good news is that it doesn't stay there, does it? Because Jesus rises from the dead. He takes the condemnation. So now longer, no longer is the condemnation on us. Our house may not look exactly as good as what Les does after the thing, but the picture of our life is that it is going to be restored. That that old building, that condemned building, our lives is going to be rebuilt and restored and redeveloped and renovated to look like Jesus' life. The life by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Look at verse 4. In order that the righteous requirements of the Lord might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we trust and believe in Him, His Spirit lives in us. And he starts to be the renovator of our lives. It's like that condemned building 
He's ours and next minute in comes Jesus with his belt on, his tools, he walks into the building and he starts fixing it up. He starts working on it. And it takes a while, doesn't it? Uh, suddenly we're not just automatically transformed into that beautiful big building. It takes time for our lives to be transformed, doesn't it? I don't know about you, I've never had to renovate a house, uh, probably because I couldn't, but I've never had to renovate a house, uh, but a number of my friends have. And uh, there's some people here in this building today that are renovating their houses right this moment. And when I talk to my friends about renovating their house, they say to me that there's moments when it, you think, oh, this can't be done. And then there's moments when you think, oh, that looks great, we've pulled down a wall, that looks all right, they put a bit of paint on, and then they go and pull off another wall, and they say, oh, no, the beams are destroyed, there's ants in here, they, look at this, the windows have just been shoved in, they haven't been put in, underneath, nothing underneath them, I don't know what's supposed to go underneath them, there's nothing underneath them, it's just been shoved in, you think, oh, strike, two steps forward, one step back. Two steps forward, one step back. And it's like that, isn't it, in renovating a house? But they tell me that when they get to the end of it and they stand back and they look at it, it blows them away. There's that sense of exhilaration as they see something that was before turned into something beautiful afterwards. And that's the picture of our lives here. When we become empowered by the Spirit, our lives are changed from that bad old house and they're transformed into a beautiful house. Transformed from a life that has all that guilt and worry and weighed down and the tyranny of sin and the fact that we're guilt and life hasn't gone the way it should have done and we should have done this and we should have done that but we didn't do that. All that stuff that has just held us down and helped stopped us from being the people God wanted us to be is being removed and our life is being transformed changed and moulded and renovated to become more like Jesus. Because that's the life that he wants us to live. A life empowered by the Spirit. A life that becomes more like Jesus. So let's have a look at what that life looks like in verse 5. Willa, do you want to read that for us? Through to verse, into verse 10. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Five. That's all right. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness.
Thanks, Rilla. Uh, when you read the Bible, it's really good to note when uh, Paul, or whoever's writing the Bible, mentions the word a lot of times. Because when he mentions the word a lot of times, it probably gives you an indication that that's a point he wants to get across to us. So if you're looking at that passage and you look at verse 5, uh, there's a couple of words that are mentioned a lot of times. Uh, who can tell me what they are? Simple nature is one of them. Spirit is one of them. And there's another one. The mind. Really important to pick up on that because you see, sometimes I think uh, when we think about our lives being transformed and become like Jesus, suddenly we think it's just a hands-off and let, God, let go, let God concept. But that's not very often in the Bible, especially when it comes to being changed to be more like Jesus. There's a let go and let God sometimes when we can't do anything about a situation, but when it comes to us and how we live, it's very much go with God, be with Him, work with Him. And that's what they're saying here, isn't it? To be empowered by the Spirit, which is what this passage is saying, to live by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit, it means that we need to do something in that process. It's not just suddenly make our minds void and just float, think it's all going to happen. It's about what? Setting our minds on the Spirit. It's about changing our mindset, isn't it? Paul says, take your mind off one thing and put it onto another thing. Take your mind off what the sinful nature desires and put your mind on what God desires, the Spirit desires. Take your mind off all that garbage in the world and put it onto the holy things, the good things that God wants you to put your mind onto. Now that's a big thing, isn't it? I mean, and we could spend a lot of time trying to work out what those two things are, but I think it's just a good thing to start thinking, isn't it? What am I putting my mind into mostly during the week? Where is my mind mostly? If my mind's in the TV, it's more than likely in the gutter most of the time. Isn't it? There's the odd show on TV that's okay. And you can work that out for yourself. I'm not telling you what shows to watch and not watch. But to start thinking about it. Because that becomes, when we start watching that sort of stuff, you start filling your mind with that sort of stuff. What are you reading during the week? What books do you read? What things do you look at? What magazines? Where is your mind most of the time during the week? Well, we've got to put into work, don't we? But where is it? What are we concentrating? Even when we're at work, what are we concentrating on doing when we're at work? Is it just about to get home at the end of the day? Is it just about to earn enough money to do the next extension? Is it just about getting enough prestige so that people in society look at me and say, wow, he's doing all right? Or is it about how can I serve God here? How can I encourage people here to know Jesus? How can I live a loving life amongst the people that I have here? How can I do business with integrity? How can I do business with someone so that I'm not making Jesus look bad? It's a different mindset, isn't it? Whereas we need to put our mind on the Spirit, on the things that God wants us to do. That's what he says, doesn't he? Set your mind on what the Spirit desires. Be controlled by the Spirit. Set your mind on what He wants for us. What does He want for us? Well, to know that, we need to look in this. Because that's where we find it out. Love, joy, peace, those sorts of things. Dealing lovingly with one another. Serving one another. Not gossiping about one another. Looking at ways that we can get out and help one another. Praying for one another. 
going around having a chat with one another, spending time with one another, loving God with all your heart and loving each other as you love yourself. Uh, in sport, they do this thing called a visualisation technique. Uh, it was all the rage a little while ago and I think they still do it. What they do is, uh, especially athletes that are in very precise types of sports, is before they go out and do it, for swimmers for example, if you see them, they're in the change rooms, they've got their headphones on and they're not just listening to music. Well, what they are often doing, they may have music, but they'll also have in the background them about how they're supposed to swim their race. And they'll actually swim their race in their mind before they get in the pool. They'll know every stroke, every breath, every turn, they'll go through every part of it right down to the point to when they finish and they touch. They'll visualise it all the way. And they say that as you visualise it, then they swim it better. Or they do it better. We're going to take that on, don't we? Our visualisation, we need to be having our mind set on Jesus. Mind set on him. And then we'll start to live like him. It's very hard to follow Jesus uh, or to do anything if you're looking the other way, isn't it? Try walking down the road one day in one direction and look across the other side of the road the whole time. It's hard, isn't it? You hit poles, you fall off gutters, you run into bushes. doesn't work, does it? And so it's the same with us in life. For us to be transformed, to live a life empowered by the Spirit, is to set our minds on the Spirit, that is to set our minds on Jesus. Focus on Him. To be empowered by the Spirit. To know that we have no condemnation. To live by the Spirit. And also, knowing that, we can be assured by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 has a whole lot of stuff in it, so I'm not going to pick up everything. But one of the big themes is it through it is the assurance we have when we live by the Spirit. So let's have a look at, listen to that from verse 11 through to the end of verse 17. And Rilla's going to read that for us. Verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and coheres with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Thanks, Rilla. Uh, I sat down, Rilla, just before the service and said, now we're going to do something a little bit different with the reading today. She says, oh. again, whenever she's up, she gets something different. Uh, 
But that's a great passage, isn't it, uh, that, we just, that you just read then. <coughs> so what I want to pick out of this is uh, are two things. One is the assurance that we have when we trust in Jesus, and the second one is the cry that we now have when we trust in Jesus. So let's have a look at those two things. Uh, the first one there is that the assurance that we have. Look at verse 11, it says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, so if you trust in Jesus, then you have the Spirit in you. That's what verse 10 says. He comes and has dwells in you and takes up residence in you. That old dilapidated house, he comes in and he lives in there. He just doesn't come in as a visitor. He just doesn't come in and take off again. He comes in and he's a permanent residence. He lives in you to renovate you and change you and to assure you, what does he say here? Live in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. To assure you that he's going to give you life now and life for eternity. That these mortal bodies of ours, even though they wind down here on this earth, are going to be restored and renewed and be perfect in eternity with him. That's good news, isn't it? That your bodies, the ones that you've got now, are going to be renewed. They're not going to be breaking down. They're not going to be falling apart. They're going to be renewed in eternity. When we trust and believe in Jesus, our eternity, heaven, is going to be living in our transformed bodies. Now, I reckon I look in the mirror in the morning and think, gee, I'm glad to hear that. I'm not going to look as bad as I do now. And neither are you, by the way. You're going to be transformed. Now, I think the young guys, they think, oh, that's, well, I'm pretty good now. You know, I can run, I can jump, I can do... Guys, by the time you hit 40, you can't run, you can't jump and you can't do. And by the time you hit 80, unless you're Jack Cow, you still can't run and jump and do. But most people by that time, the older you get, the more you realise that this body that we're in is running down, isn't it? It's breaking down. Jono tells me that's why he's got that alarm on him. That breakdowns everyone else's hearing, but it, you know, it shows that life is breaking down, isn't it? This says to us, the assurance that Jesus says to us here, when we trust and believe in him, the Spirit's assurance to us is that these bodies are going to be transformed. And they're going to look far better than they do today. They'll be able to do all the things that God desires us to do in eternity. Not only are we assured that that's going to be the case, but we're also assured that we are children of God. You notice I've jumped a couple of verses here and go down to verse uh, 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, or children of God, children of God. That means that people who don't know Jesus aren't, by the way. It's only those who know and trust in Jesus are children of God. They're His, and they're going to be His for eternity. That's an assurance. If you go back a little bit, you might have missed it, but there's a little passage there that says, uh, if you're not controlled by the Spirit, then you can't please God. That's a big one, isn't it? Because unless you are children of His, then you don't please Him, then you can't please Him. Because we're the run-down, dilapidated old buildings without Him. But with Jesus in us, we've been transformed to be more like Him, and we can please Him. Because to please God is to become more like Jesus. That's what pleases Him. And he assures us of that. And the Spirit assures us of that. And the Spirit assures us that we can now cry something different to what Paul could cry cry earlier. Remember his cry in chapter 7? 
O wretched man am I. His cry in chapter 8 is Abba, Father. That's a huge change, isn't it? Completely wiped out, feeling he's completely destroyed, run down, can't do anything to help him or save him, to a cry that says, Dad, to the creator of the universe. That's a huge transformation, isn't it? And this says that we, the Spirit, assures us that we can call God, the creator of everything, Abba, Dad, because of Jesus, because of the Spirit. Uh, when, I, when I preached this last time, which was a while ago, I went from the angle that it's how uh, it's great to hear the word Father when you're a dad. And as I thought about this, I thought, actually, it's not that way round in this, is it? It's the opposite way round. It's not the fact that it's good for us to be able to hear the word dad. It's actually the fact that we can say dad. It's actually different, isn't it? It's the fact that we can come to the, the creator of all, the most powerful ever of eternity, the one that's created everything, made everything, holds everything in his hands, who controls everything, we can come to him and say, Dad. I don't know about you, I haven't had a bad experience with my father and it's a nice thing that I'm able to say, Dad. Some people haven't had that experience, have they? Some people's fathers haven't been that way to them. And it's hard for them to understand what it's like to call someone Dad and feel that love, that compassion, that care, that sense of security that's there. But I think even if we haven't been able to do that, we still cry for that, don't we? That's the cry of our heart that we can call out to someone and know that they love us unconditionally, know that they care for us, know that they desire what is best for us. And not only desire what is best for us, but actually give us the empowerment to do that through his spirit. And that's what this says to us, that we can actually do that to God. He desires us to cry out to him, Dad. To trust in him. To know that love. To experience that care. To experience that compassion. To experience him. You see, the greatest gift God gives to us is himself. Is to know him. To experience him. To love him. And the Spirit assures us that we can do that. How good a passage so far, hey? We're only halfway through. We've got the second half next week about what that goes on from there and how great it is to know God through Jesus and to have the Spirit within us, to know that we're no longer condemned. We've been made right with God and He's transforming us, He's renovating us, He's empowering us by His Spirit as we set our minds on the Spirit and what He desires. And then we can be assured that we have an eternity with him. Our bodies are going to be transformed. We can be assured that we are children of his. We can be assured that we can call him dad. What a great God we have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take a moment to let that all sink in. And even in the time that we've had, Lord, we haven't been able to even plumb all the depths of that passage. 
But Lord, the bits that we have seen, we want to cry out, Dad. We want to cry out, thank you. We want to praise you, Lord, for how wonderful and glorious you are. You are worthy to be praised, Lord, above and beyond all things. And you are worthy of our lives, Lord. We pray that we may give our lives to you daily. That we may know that the Spirit is within us. That we may be assured that we are your children. And Lord, that we may experience you through Jesus Christ and through your Spirit. Pray this in his name. Amen.